0: the Rise Up Sea red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox.
1: Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from Cardswire.com. And the best hour of Cardinal Stock on the web. Here for another one of the 14 opponent preview shows that we're doing, um, which have been thus far. And kind of the goal is to do to release 14 shows in 14 days leading up to when when Seth and I can can re, can preview training camp and do an NFC West ranking show. And so I. Again, like I mentioned the other shows, I'm not numbering this episode during the episode because I don't know in which order I'm going to release them. Um, But on the line with me uh, for this opponent is Matt Urban, the managing editor over at the Falcons Wire, who was a guest on the show last year. Funny story. Neither one of us remembered that the Cardinals played Cardinals and Falcons played last year. It was that unmemorable. And then when we looked at the play, well, I remember that game. But the funny story is, like, as bad as 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 bad as the end of the season went for both teams last year, that game was completely forgettable, <laughs> isn't it, Matt? How, how are you doing, by the way? Thanks for coming back on the show this year.
0: Oh, great, man. Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, that was definitely a forgettable one, though. It uh, took me a minute to recall that one for sure. I don't... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what
1: happened there. So, but. you know, when, when we talked last year, expectations were low, 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 low for the yeah. Falcons. And I thought that they could perform, I think they could outperform expectations, at least from the betting um, perspective. And they hmm. ended up doing that, but they did it in a weird way. Uh, they <laughs> lost really, really, really close games. Uh, they, they had a, a really good run game. And then Marcus Mariota quits the team. What? What in the world? What in the world happened with Marcus Mariota? You know, it's funny. I was just actually watching the
0: Netflix quarterbacking show, which is uh, it covers his little, it covers his last season, um, along with Mahomes and uh, and Cousins. But honestly, yeah, I don't know. He was he, you know, fans were calling for him to be benched for weeks, and um, then like Arthur Smith did bench him, and then he also said he had a knee injury, and then he also had a kid like that same week, okay. so. It was kind of a lot of stuff going on. They didn't really have a one clear story of what happened. Uh, it sounds like he just got benched and he got kind of got upset, though, and left the team because he never returned in free any, any of the reading games last year.
1: So it was just Desmond Ritter from that point on. Yeah, and, and that made like, sense. But didn't – I mean, he knew. He knew that was like, – they drafted yeah, yeah. Desmond Ritter. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like he had to know that yeah, was coming. Know, and, and, and while, you know, going back to the draft with Mariota – like one of the reasons why he didn't attend the draft is that he wanted to be around family in Hawaii. So okay, maybe some of that's true, but that's still weird. That's still weird. And and I remember, you know, this offseason when as we were looking at p- potential backup quarterback situation, people were suggesting Marcus Mariota and we we're like, he literally just quit on a team. Why <laughs> right. would why? Why would anyone Though though we did like to make the joke, I like to make the joke, well, that he's perfect. So he's going to start for the first few weeks of the year. And then when Kyler Murray comes back, he can just quit. And then we don't have to worry about him anymore.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. Mariota, you know, I had kind of high hopes for him. I thought, you know, him reuniting with Arthur Smith, maybe they would, you know, recapture some of that magic. But, um, you know, it's funny because Smith kept talking about, you know, how resilient he is and all this stuff. And then he ends up, you know, benching him and he just checks out. So obviously that was, uh, he wasn't going to come back Basically,
1: he wasn't terrible no he game wasn't game. bad um it was more like
0: accuracy issues in big moments you know like third downs and just like some of the most questionable decisions i've ever seen i don't know if you saw that gif of him like uh <laughs> throwing the ball upside down basically like he i don't know what was going on in that game it was thursday night uh game against the panthers but yeah he had some rough moments but overall his numbers were solid enough to i mean at least be like a you know quality backup or something but um yeah just it was definitely time to move on and go with Ritter. i think after what he had shown to the first whatever 12 games it was
1: so they they end up going seven and ten, winning the final two games of the year, um, yeah. to get to six and seven wins. One of them beating the Cardinals and Week <laughs> Seventeen, uh, Desmond Ritter versus David Blala. It was a it was a very forgettable performance. Um, but what were sort of the sort of the high points of the season? What were I mean I mean I can, we can look at one, oh my gosh, that rushing attack! But what were what were the highlights of a season that was like? Would you say that it was disappointing or did it? Was it roughly what people expected or maybe even a little bit better?
0: I think it was um, – people were probably a little bit disappointed. Uh, I think I was. it was about what I was expecting, though. I mean, you know, they – last year, like like you said, like the running game got going pretty well. Passing game was you – know, probably took a step back from Matt Ryan. But, um, you know, there was a couple young players that showed some good development, like uh, Safety Richie Grant. Uh, a couple other guys, they're young – they're rookies, Evan Ketty, uh, Trey Anderson – but, yeah, from besides that, though, I mean, it really wasn't a whole lot to really look forward to with, with he on the uh, running game and stuff like that.
1: What were the most disappointing parts of the year in terms of player performances, team performance, stuff like that? I'd probably say the secondary. Uh, you know, A.J.
0: Terrell definitely took a step back last year. Um, they signed Casey Hayward last year, too, and he kind of was a bust and he got hurt. And uh, Other than that, um, you know, offensively, I think we thought the passing game would be a little bit more effective than it was uh didn't have a great wideouts, obviously they had Drake London, a rookie. And then there were two guys last year it was like Demir bird or. Ole, yeah, Ole yeah Me-
1: Demir bird, a guy that we remember from 2019 for the Cardinals. If oh yeah, He's, if right. he's, if he's a significant contributor, you know, <laughs> you're not a good team.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, Kyle Pitts kind of had, uh, you know, back a little bit of a bad year. He ended up uh, trying his MCL like week 11 or 12. But, uh, before that he really wasn't doing anything. And a lot of people blame Mario for that. Cause he just didn't seem to be able to connect with him for whatever reason. You know, um his accuracy was just not there. And Pitts is such a big target. People were like, "How can you not hit this guy?" But you know, uh, it was a bad year for Pitts, and and I would say uh, Mario T definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, how would you say, like Drake London's numbers were solid? Uh, Seventy-two catches, eight hundred sixty-six yards, four touchdowns in yep. a in a anemic passing game for the. But, but was that what was expected out of him in year one?
0: Yeah, honestly, I was I was impressed with London. You know, he uh, just because. How little they passed the ball, and uh, you know with Ritter and and uh, Mariota at quarterback, he just didn't expect much to him, but uh, from him, but he definitely like he he seemed like a third number one to me. He looks, he showed all the you know traits of, I think of a number one receiver is big body guy, makes tough catches, contested catches, and uh, you know he he stepped in right away for week one. He had a couple. He started off the season pretty hot, and then he you know slowed down, but um, yeah, I think he looks like a solid player going forward for sure.
1: Did you expect? Were, were you house okay? How surprised were you at Tyler Algier's production as a rookie? I I admit um, being that, that I follow BYU football some, I knew about Algier and I liked him as a potential guy who could be better than expected. But I didn't expect that out of him as a rookie.
0: No, I did not as a rookie for sure. You know, I, I thought you know Arthur Smith is the kind of guy that would know how to utilize a guy like that, and you know, I thought that would be long term. It would be a good fit. But and, you know, looking at last year too, he didn't. He wasn't even. He was inactive for week one. So. I, it didn't seem like he was going to all of a sudden emerge as their starting back, basically. But yeah, he kind of you know slowly came along, and then midway through the year, he just was just bowling over guys. Man, he was just running through people, and he uh, yeah, ended up going over a thousand yards, which is crazy because um, he wasn't even the starter for most of the year.
1: Right, right. But I mean, for running back, though, only three touchdowns—that that's kind of a bummer. But uh, still, Cordero Patterson, uh, almost seven hundred yards. What a what a what a turnaround of the career that he had because uh, like. Dynamic, dynamic returner—one of the best we've ever seen, especially in this generation. Very pedestrian receiver. Get moved to yeah. running back, and suddenly he is super productive. And he had another. Yeah, at age 32. Yeah, six hundred ninety-five yards, eight touchdowns, averaging nearly five yards carry. You can do a few things in the passing game with him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's and basically like you get a thousand yards out of Algier. You got almost seven hundred out of Patterson. Uh, you, you get over 400 rushing yards from, from Marcus Marriott and then another 360 from Caleb Huntley. It was oh. just like, it, it was just production upon production in the run game, Great. which was, uh, I mean, where were we, 1996?
0: Yeah, honestly, it's funny. And they even had another guy, uh, he got hurt this year already in, in camp, and, uh OTAs, but uh, Avery Williams, he had like five yards per carry and 100 yards. So, like everybody they, fed, everybody they gave the ball to last year was just running it all over the place, so. I don't know that Arthur Smith definitely knows how to run the ball, but it was just um, yeah, you know, last year it was like they definitely had this great ground game, but it just they couldn't seem to maximize on play action, which you would think would be open with guys like Pitts and uh, London on the outside when you're running that ball that effectively, you know. So, but uh, but yeah, definitely a solid point going forward is that running game.
1: And, and you would you say did you see enough from Desmond Ritter as a rookie to think that? He can be the guy moving forward because I know going into the draft there was a lot of speculation that they might be in the market for a quarterback. Yeah, um, do you think that they believe in what they what they've seen from from Ritter?
0: I think they have to honestly. I mean, I personally wasn't there. Um, you know, I, I like what I saw from him. I, I'm not ready to say he's going to be really good or anything. I think he'd be like a game manager or whatever. But I think you know Arthur Smith must believe in him because it's, it's his third year and he hasn't had a winning season yet. So I mean, you know, he had a chance to go out and get Lamar Jackson, or you trade up in the draft and get somebody. But you know, now he's going with Ritter. A lot of pressure on that. But I mean, he must believe he must buy into uh, what he sees in practice. You know, I just. Um, but yeah, forms a, in terms of how he played on the field last year. I mean, he was just okay. He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. Um, to say that he's going to be really good this year would just be hopeful. I feel like. But <laughs> in the same way, I think you know, I think he can be a game manager, and if they run the ball as well as they're going, it shouldn't be that hard for him. I mean, he's got a year in the system now. Uh, comes into the offseason as a starter, and unlike last year, so I think there's a there's a reason to believe he could be a lot better this year. But you know, I haven't seen a ton yet. But
1: coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on to the off season. What the what the Falcons did in free agency and in the draft. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, Mr. Cardinals talk on the web. As we look ahead to the off season, who were the 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 key losses that they suffered in free agency, and then what were the moves that they? What are the the important moves that they made to improve? Like we can kind of look so, at some of these, but in your opinion, who were the 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 most important losses they suffered, if, if any?
0: Yeah, honestly, they they didn't lose a ton of people, but I would say most important probably Isaiah Oliver, Jameer um, as we talked about. Um, Rashawn Evans, the linebacker, who's still a free agent, by the way, which is kind of odd. He was their leading tackler last year, I believe. Um, but yeah, just um, Isaiah Oliver went to the 49ers. He was their slot corner. Um, he was the only one that really played a major role. It's not going to be around. Um, but yeah, they had so much free agent money this year that they they really didn't lose that many people, and they added tons. So unlike previous years, they've had like no money, and they just had to get like one or two guys. But, um, yeah, so they don't lose anybody major, I wouldn't say.
1: What can you tell us about, Cardinals fans, about Elijah Wilkinson, who who, who signed this offseason, he can play some guard, play some tackle, and it looks like he might be the leader to be their starting left guard this year. You know
0: what? I, I, I'm not um, – I think he's a decent player. I was kind of surprised they didn't bring him back here because he would have been cheap, and they didn't. They don't clearly have a left guard right now still. They, they drafted a guy in the second round, but he was a tackle. They're going to convert him over to left guard. Um, I think Wilkinson, you know, he's not – a great player, but he he can he's a decent starter. You can, you can put him in there. You can count on him. He wasn't like a weakness on the on the offensive line last year. I don't think. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a good signing. We kind of took your guys, Josh Miles, didn't anyway.
1: we? Yes, um, but the, Miles well, that that's been interesting to see see where it goes because he, raw raw player um, got hurt. In fact, um, had a had a scary life changing moment when they they found like I think it was a tumor of some sort that he had removed. Oh, and then he ended up coming back, and then hurting his knee, injuring his knee, which he's landed on, on injured reserve. But it was it was kind of a miraculous type one of the you know the fact that the NFL is always checking medically their players and things like that. But right. But we we go to free agency. I guess they they really tried to they really tried to remake their secondary. Right. Uh, they go out oh, yeah. and trade. They they acquire Jesse Bates. They yeah. they, they they trade for Jeff Okuda uh former number one pick of the lions um and and what else so like who are yeah, the drafted, impact additions um, trey flowers they had added yeah, trey flowers around
0: him too um secondary wise also they grabbed mike hughes from the lions um and they drafted uh clark phillips too in the fourth round so yeah they added a bunch of guys at second in the secondary this year um so what's your question then?
1: basically who are the who, who are the the key additions that they that they added
0: Oh yeah, so yeah. Obviously, Bates is the big one. Obviously, there he gave them, They him uh, four years at sixty-four million, and uh, he should he should be a big, you know, big impact player for the secondary. Um, after that, they got David Onyemata from the Saints, who uh, followed uh, Brian Nielsen over from the Saints, and Caden Ellis as well. Those are both just um, both guys should probably start this year, I'd say. And then um, they grabbed Calais Campbell as well for a one-year deal. Bud Dupree. I'm
1: trying to think of who else. Um, how much do you think that okay. Calais and Dupree have left in the tank?
0: You know that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I was arguing with one of my former contributors about this. Um, I feel like Calais will be a starter, but you know, not you know, just be a maybe like half the snaps kind of guy. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, the agency additions—they should be really huge for this team because they've, like I said, they haven't had money in years to add anybody. So I mean, like the fact that they added like every every uh, layer of the defense and offense, like they added somebody. Offense, they they signed a couple guys too. They signed Matt Collins, Matt Collins, the wide receiver. Um, they signed Scotty Miller, former Bucks guy, and um, they traded for Johnny Smith from the uh, Patriots, the tight end. So I think that's going to be good for Arthur Smith because he likes those two tight end sets.
1: Yeah, that, and, that should uh, be like the the complement of Janu Smith and Kyle Pitts. You, you've got one that's that's more of the the traditional big blocker who who can catch. Johnny Smith definitely can catch. Um yeah, sure. but, but he's your more traditional tight end to be um opposite Pitts who who does obviously more in the passing game. Um uh, what was I looking at the, Taylor Heineke, where's he gonna like is there going to be like Heineke's one of those weird guys? Is Ritter going to be clear number one with Heineke competing perhaps to be there?
0: I think they're trying to make it you know, as clear as possible, that Ritter is the guy. But I mean, I don't feel like they gave him; they would give Kanaky that money if they weren't, you know, kind of hedging their bet a little bit. I think, uh I, I think Kanaky is interesting too. I, I've watched him; I've kind of been fascinated by him. He's, he's every time I see him, he seems to play pretty well. Uh, he beat <laughs> yes. us. I think he beat the Hopkins twice in the past three years or something like that. So
1: Heineke uh, is is he's a he's one of those scrappy guys that's hard to get rid yeah, of, for sure. I mean, but you like, don't I want him good. as your. You don't really don't want him as your starter. <laughs> starter. Absolutely. He, <laughs> right, 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 for sure. As a backup, though, yeah, I feel like he's a good backup
0: for sure. And he seems to come in here with the mentality that you know, he knows this is Ritter's team. But I mean, if you know Ritter struggles, which he could, I mean, we haven't seen him do anything. So if he does struggle early on, it's he's a pretty quality backup to throw in there.
1: And we move on to the draft. Um, were you surprised when they go, or or is this or is this Arthur Smith seeing Derrick Henry in the Titans? And so he goes out. That they already have a strong running game. They have got Tyler Augier, they, the Patterson. What they did last year, you got Huntley, and basically your stable of runners. And then they go right. and add the big guy, Bijan Robinson. Right. Um, varying levels of, as to how special a player he is, but obviously the very best running back in this draft. Um, by the way the uh, Arizona high school kid uh, that that we know about who played both ways a pretty good in both ways how how surprising was it to see them go with a running back in top 10
0: i personally was shocked man like you said i mean for a team that didn't have that need at all and had other needs that you know i really thought they would go you know defensive end cornerback, anything but uh i can understand what they're doing if they if they you know they're buying into Ritter, so they're going to try to take as much pressure off him as possible. You got a guy like Robinson, um, you know. You got all the other backs back there. You like Cordell Patterson, like you said, he can play a little bit of receiver. Um, you got the two tight end sets. I, I think they're just going to try to make you know, you know, uh, pound the rock and just you know set up play action. But um, yeah, I was definitely shocked to see them take Robinson. I mean, not just just because he was in the top ten, but you know, for a team like just didn't have the need, like I said.
1: Right. So but, uh, the, the Atlanta Titans is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. Yeah, you know, John <laughs> Smith, by
0: the way, former Titan also. He, he knows Ryan yeah.
1: Smith as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so you've, you've got... I don't know, if like... And it could... And honestly, it could work if you get that defense. If you get that defense playing strong. Um, For sure. Like, when, when Ryan Tannehill can be a different... Like, you can okay. run a really good offense with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback because you've got, you know, Derrick Henry and the two tight end sets there. It It... it you exactly. definitely could probably replicate that with, yeah, as, as long as yeah. Ritter is competent. And that that's where the thing, Ryan Tannehill was a little bit more than competent. He's pretty decent. He's he's pretty yeah, decent. He, he
0: had a couple of good years. I think he had a couple of good years before he uh, got to the Titans, and I know he was eventually benched or whatever, but yeah, like you said, though, he was never going to be, he was never like a really a top-ten guy, and uh, he made him he, I think he was like, I don't really want to say he was MVP candidate, but he had a, he had pretty good numbers for a couple of years with Arthur Arthur Smith there calling the play. So yeah, I understand that Smith thinks he can kind of mold probably Ritter into you know something along those lines, but yeah, I mean, uh, definitely got to lean on the running game for sure.
1: The rest of the the rest of the draft goes like this: Round two, Matthew 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 Bergeron, uh, Bergeron yes. out of Syracuse, Zach. Harrison out of Ohio state, Clark Phillips, cornerback out of Utah, DeMarco Helms out of uh, safety out of Alabama. And Joe, Jovan Gwynn guard Gwyn. out of South Carolina of those guys, who are the ones that uh, outside, we, we expect these John Robinson to be a big right. part of the offense. Who are the guys that are going to make decent contributions in year one, who are going to be bit contributors and who are for the future?
0: Um, that's a good question. I would say definitely Bergeron, um, like we just talked about with the Elijah Wilkinson, um, he's he's penciled to be the starting left guard, even though he was a tackle in college. So I, I feel like he's going to have a league role this year because um, I don't really have another option at left guard to go with. So um, he's going to be out there probably. As for um, Zach Harrison, I don't know. If that's a pretty pretty um, uh, pre- pretty sorry. Uh, sorry, there? sorry, Harrison. Yeah. 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 Sorry, my dog's going crazy over here. Uh, yeah, so no, Harrison, though, I'm not sure what his role is going to be. I mean, they got a lot of players at defensive end, edge position. Clark um, Phillips, I think, is going to get some playing time. Uh, he was kind of a guy that I think people felt was like a second, third round value. They got him in the fourth. Uh, you know, it's a good slot versatile guy that can play safety, corner, and all that. Um, so I like him to get some playing time. Other than that, though, I mean, I think the Falcons this year kind of took more of a free agency approach. You know, they hit most of their needs in free agency, and they just that allowed them to draft like Bijan and you know just take the best player available. And it, so, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Dijon, a lot of, of on this year.
1: Is that strategy because of an NFC South that looks highly mediocre across the board um, with the Saints and the but Well, the Bucks might be terrible. The Saints are—the eh, the Panthers are improving, but, I mean, what are you going to say about them? And so they went out. The Falcons went out and, and did the opposite what the Cardinals did. The Cardinals did—went young, 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 right. and the Falcons added veteran leadership— proven, like probably back end of the career, but ideally it kind of feels like they want to add consistent production with guys who can lead the younger guys to the next step to, instead of being a seven-win team to contend for the division in a division that is not expected to be super good.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think um, it also comes down to Arthur Smith being in his third year. Not that there feels like there's a lot of pressure on him for a guy that hasn't won, uh, you know, had a winning season yet. But um, yeah, I feel like he's got a—he knows they got to try to win this year. Um, there's just no excuse to not to at least compete compete in that division. I mean, you got like you got Bryce Young at quarterback. You got Derek Carr coming over from the Raiders. I mean, he might still be good, but uh, Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, yeah. And I, is he even the guy even, I don't even know if he's officially officially Who started, knows? but yeah. Who knows? But I mean, either way, it's not a good situation there in Tampa. And, I mean, honestly, they should have won the division last year. They just didn't have the quarterback play. I think to close the deal, you know, in the uh, you know, a lot of those mid mid tier mid year games, they just kind of blew close ones, but uh, yeah, I think they're just thinking we're going to spend everything we got, we're going to get to the playoffs this year, we're going to go go with Ritter, just build everything we can, and give them as much help as possible, and defensively, like I said, I think they should be a lot better, I mean, uh, I really think Ron Nielsen, the guy they brought over from the Saints, um, he, he's kind of got a reputation for, you know, coaching up defensive line, getting it, you know, maximizing sacks, and the Falcons have been, like, the least amount of sacks in the NFL for the past, like, two years, I believe, um, so I think that'll be a big help this year.
1: Coming up next on the Rise of Sea red podcast, best start of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's look ahead to the 2023 season uh, and discuss what the expectations outlook for the Atlanta Falcons. Let's come to the next on Rise of Sea red We're back on the Rise of Sea red podcast, best Star of Cardinals talk on the web. Reasonable expectations. So we, we were kind of discussed that just a moment ago, but do the Falcons have a goal of playoffs winning the division? Is that ultimately what their goal is? I mean, everyone has the goal of winning the Super Bowl, but like right. their their ultimate goal this year, kind of what people are eyeing is win this division, get to the postseason.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think um, the owner Arthur Blank even came out and kind of said like, you know, this is the year I expect them to take that big leap because you know they he he's you know, it tends to be like overly patient. Uh, you know, with Dan with Dan Quinn for example, he kept him probably two years after fans were ready to move on. Um, so I think you know it's important that he said that because I was kind of. Wondering why there was just so little heat on Arthur Smith, even though, you know, they weren't expected to do much. But, yeah, like any coach, two years in the league without a winning record, you know, that tends to be, it tends to create a hot seat. <laughs> and uh, real? But I feel like, yeah, I think that um, Blank tend to, he doesn't really say things like that. He needed to come out um, a few months ago and say, like, he expects the team to take a leap forward this year. So, I mean, I think they're definitely looking at it that way. Um, we'll see if they can do it, obviously. but
1: How high? Their do you think their ceiling is if everything goes right? How many wins can they get, and can they make a run in the postseason if they make it?
0: No, that's a great question, and I, it really comes down to Ritter. I think you know if he is just competent and maybe makes some plays here and there. I think you know this is probably a ten-win team, um, just because of the schedule too. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL this year in terms of uh, last year's record, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it's feasible they could they could get their, the 10-11 eleven-win mark at best. Um, I don't see them doing much after that. Maybe they could win a wild card game if they could host it at home, winning the NFC South. But, um, yeah, I think that would be a big step forward this year anyway. They could at least, you know, get to the playoffs. Maybe win a playoff game would be great, but I can't see much beyond that, I guess.
1: And if the – barring injury, I don't like to do the play the injury card, but if it's right. just underperformance, what do you think this team's floor is? I, I like to talk – I like to, to look at a team's low-end – and high-end, right. and then kind of what's kind of reasonable. So reasonable, I'm, I'm guessing, is um, winning the division, however that comes. Maybe it's nine, maybe it's ten wins. Right. Uh, and it sounds like kind of what reasonable expectations are are kind of the ceiling. <laughs> I, I haven't heard <laughs> that from a team. That, like Their ceiling <laughs> is is what their reasonable expectations are, and I guess that's just more the division. But what, what do you think that the, the, the floor is barring injury?
0: You know, I feel like that probably – five seven wins uh, you know if, if things really go bad and they got to switch from ritter um just because the schedule in general i mean they got some pretty easy games and early on the, the year it's pretty easy to start off but um they're kind of tough i mean i could almost see them just being seven and ten again like last year you know i mean they they could easily happen they've been so many close games and they, i don't feel like they tend to be maybe not quite as aggressive at the end of games as you know i feel like they should be sometimes and that Makes me wonder, you know, how far they could go potentially this year with Ritter, but yeah, I mean, I'd say about low end, probably up five or six months.
1: And and if you look, so the Cardinals will will face the Falcons at home in Week Ten, um, on Veteran Day weekend. How do how do the Falcons fans view the Cardinals game? Obviously, the the, the Falcons are not considered a great team right now. And uh, the Cardinals are considered a, t- a terrible team. How do if you if people or fans are are making predictions for the Falcons and looking at that game, is that an ex- is that kind of an expected win, a hopeful win, or kind of a toss up? I think
0: fans are looking at it like an expected win. Um, you know, that tends to be how it is anyway. I'm sure your fan base is looking at that game like it's an expected win, too. Well, I'm no, sure no, no,
1: no. I don't think any in you know, our fans this year are saying that any game is an oh, expected no? win. But we uh, do. I, I personally view the the Falcons game as a winnable game. It's one of the, like, yeah. you look at the schedule based on what we know in the talent, but that's one of the winnable games on the schedule.
0: Right, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that fans look at it that way, though. I mean, just because seems to be so much uncertainty around Arizona this year. I mean, you guys, you got Cardinal uh, Kyler Stills. Is Kyler going to miss any part of the year?
1: He's sh- like, he is targeting week one. I don't think there's a chance in the world he's going to, cause that would put week one would be eight months since surgery. And that's, that's just not feasible. Now I think he'll be back on the field, but well before week 10, I think quietly, quietly the window that they're eyeing is weeks five to eight. And I right. personally think it'll be about week six. Cause that'll, that'll put him just past the nine month recovery, which is, which is fast but reasonable. Eight months is stupid, yeah. <laughs> but like <laughs> I, I, I would expect. I, I expect him to be not just back, but kind of have gotten the rust off by the time week ten rolls around.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I um, I wasn't sure what to think of Kyler Murray this year. I mean, it almost seems like they're trying to move on with him. If you read the tea leaves, it seems like. Do you feel like he's in their long term future still at this point? Or?
1: Those are the plans. Anyone talking about Caleb? Williams and Drake May are just oh, yeah. are just trying to be ahead of the curve if things go poorly. The, the organization is all in on Kyler Murray. That's said. They've set themselves up in a position where they could move on, but that's definitely not the plans. They believe in Kyler Murray. Jonathan Gannon has said multiple times he didn't if it weren't for Kyler Murray they he wouldn't have taken that job. Um, right. and and well let's be honest. Like even if he doesn't come back Completely what he did. Like, we've seen Kyler Marie play at an MVP level right. a, for a, a short stretch in 2020, half the season in 2021. So, you know what the ceiling is. So, if he doesn't even hit that ceiling, you've still got a pretty good quarterback. Now, last year was a crap show for a lot of reasons. But, you know with the talent yeah, okay. he has it, it it would be tough to move on it was like moving on from josh rosen to draft kyler murray oh yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. that was not a difficult thing to do and even then okay. fans were like yeah you really want to do that but <laughs> right. moving on from kyler murray to say a caleb williams williams unless kyler comes back and and is like rg3 post-injury right i i think you've got a roll with him right
0: i honestly agree i i thought last year i mean i think i talked to you about it last year like i the national perception around Murray seems to be so much lower than what we've seen him do on the field. So, I mean, like I understand yeah. right now why it's so low, obviously two kind of dug years and, you know, a bad ending last year and the coaching change and all that. But I mean, yeah, his upside is, you know, top five in the, in the NFL, in my opinion. I mean, if he's, if he's healthy and he's got his legs working and, you know, he's heats can throw the ball better than people give him credit for. Um, I've got a pretty big Colin Murray fan. I watched his first game against the Lions that tie uh, way back and. I was pretty impressed just for him being rookie. Oh, that game was crazy uh,
1: because it was so bad. to, hey, I'm just gonna make things happen, and then then the tie, then the stupid tie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But yeah, I think uh, yeah, if he, I think they they shouldn't rush him back. Obviously, like you said, there's no reason for them to rush him back. And uh, if he, as long as he does and comes back healthy, I think he could, you know, get back to that top ten level at least maybe if, uh, by the end of the year. But oh. I just, I mean, I saw some quarterback rankings recently, and I just, I think he was like. The last or one of the they don't don't
1: even include him. Oh, okay. So CBS Sports include him in tier six. That one, yeah, that that one was. And 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 the the writer came back because I I wrote an, an article justifying it this year, but but it was not a case where. He's the same caliber of quarterback, but he was in a tier of quarterbacks where you're like, I just don't know this year because you don't know when he's going to come back, right. and you don't know if he's going to. So, but but and I said he, I kind of wrote it, uh, I framed it at, he's a tier three guy in a tier six situation this year, and and the writer actually hit me on Twitter. He's all, thank you for the context. He's the top of tier three if it's any other year, but right. just because of the uncertainty, we it's like it's not it's not about talents, about the situation this year. But like the other ones, like um, Doug Farrar, when he did our touchdown wire ones, he, they don't even include yeah. Kyler. They put Colt McCoy in there as the starting <laughs> quarterbacks. And, of course, oh, he man, comes yeah. in number 30-30. And the only ones yeah. he's ahead of are uh, include Desmond Ritter, Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That's your thing. I had a lot of fans pretty upset about that as well. But it's like, you know, if you really did read what he was saying, he was just saying more so that, he, yeah, I just don't know what to expect. He's not right. Saying, like,
1: and the same thing with Ritter. Ritter's, you're like, yeah, you like, saw you a little bit, but you don't that. know. Yeah, exactly. We don't
0: know anything about I, him. Honestly, yeah. It's one of the fans that gets frustrated because it's like, I don't want them to be, you know, uh, I don't want them to, they're always saying this is so much disrespect. And it's like, yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, he hasn't <laughs> done anything yet. Let's just let him do it. Let's let him play before we can, you know, say he's getting disrespected or, you know? uh, so I understand sad. why he's that low.
1: I did like Ritter coming out of college because the production he had, and he's he's much more athletic than anyone. Like you knew he was athletic, but he's oh, very yeah. athletic. Yeah, um, I didn't know he was
0: like 4-3-9 or something. It was pretty pretty good forty times too. It that was. was really it
1: was. He moved really well. He produced in college. He has a really good arm. It's just a matter of like, is he is he just going to be mistake avoidant where he plays and and just is just is um. Like on schedule good, or can he be off schedule good as well? That's kind of the difference. Like, Col- even Colton McCoy is on schedule good, and that's right. what's kept him in the league for 13 years. But that's anything great. off schedule, he turns into a mess. Like most average to below average quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Honestly, like, I, I wouldn't want to, dis- you know, disrespect Ritter, but I kind of feel like I'm almost seeing a, like Colton McCoy would be like a good comparison to what I think he could be this year. Like, you know, if he's just, you know, just competent, Colton McCoy playing well for him i guess that's kind of what i see ritter as this year like maybe just manage the game do what's asked of them you know don't make any extra plays but just don't turn the ball over i think that's kind of how they're going to play but um yeah beyond that can it be more than that i'm not sure at this point and i think anyone that thinks so is kind of you know just projecting or hoping at this point uh,
1: you can obviously find matt urban's work over at the falcons wire one of the sister sites on the usa today nfl wire matt are, is there any other way, any other work that you do that we can find you at? Are you on social media? Are you on Threads yet? I'm on Threads. I haven't literally posted nothing because I'm not going to actually migrate there until Twitter's dead.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking, doing the same thing. I haven't gotten to th- Threads yet, but uh, yeah, I'm still on Twitter at Matt Urban. Um, don't tweet a whole lot on there, but um, other than that, no. I just uh, you can see me at Sports Week- in Sports Weekly sometimes, like you as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, not really much else going on. Just doing the Falcons Wire thing.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show again this year, Matt. Um, that's Matt Urban. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. That'll wrap up this episode. We will back, be back again soon with uh, with one of our opponent preview shows. Or if this is the last one that we release, then soon thereafter, Seth will be back with me for the next show. Thanks for listening. As always, go Cardinals. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals Talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, Rise Up Sea Red.